The following podcast contains spoilers and is spooky as fuck. <laughs> And welcome back to another Spooktober special here at We Watched a Thing. Hope you're all going well. How are you doing, Noosk? Could you hear my sigh? Yeah, I could. Yeah. <laughs> Getting closer to the end of Spooktober. Yep. Um, I've made you watch three horror films so far, but so far you've liked them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they haven't been total shit, which is most horror. <laughs> so today... We are going to be watching a werewolf film, and I believe this is the only one that we're going to get to that you've seen. You have seen An American Werewolf in London, is that right? Yes, I have. I love that film. Okay, tell me what you remember about it. You remember enjoying it then? Yeah, I I think I've only seen it the once, um, but I remember really enjoying it. Um, I I can't even remember um, what my expectations were for it, but... It's unlike me to voluntarily watch a horror. You were probably convinced by being told that it was actually a horror comedy film. Possibly. But even then, I'm usually a little reserved. But So, this year is the 40th anniversary of this film, which is absolutely staggering to me because this is a film that holds up very, very well. From what I remember, opinion. yeah. So, An American Werewolf in London is a 1981 horror comedy film written and directed by John Landis. It stars David Norton, Jenny Augeter, Griffin Dune, and John Woodvine. And, of course, it's very famous for its incredible special makeup effects done by legend Rick Baker. Who dat? A legendary makeup artist. Incredible. Once again, don't know why you have me on here. I believe that he has won the most Academy Awards for makeup at seven out of a wow. record 11 nominations as well. Oh His gosh. first being for this film. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I seem to remember it holding up well, considering how old it is. That's kind of cute. We're watching it in its 40th anniversary year. <laughs> and tonight, my special beer. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to pour myself. I've been really looking forward to this one, actually. This looks brilliant. A Imperial smoked porter aged in whiskey barrels. Oh, you fancy motherfucker. From Wolf of the Willows Brewing. And uh, the can has a very cute, very well-dressed wolf on the label. So, Oh, in theme. <laughs> <laughs> but more excitingly, today we decorated the house for Halloween with our girls. Yeah. And so the house feels on theme. Yeah, we've got jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. and <laughs> Yeah, including on their bed, the lights. <laughs> they were so excited. All right, well, shall we crack into an American werewolf in London? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Let's get spooky. Nope. <laughs> nope. All right. All right. Did you enjoy this as much on your second viewing? I did. I remembered exactly what I loved about it. Man, it's a good film. All right. Let me start with the most important Spooktober question. Were you scared? Did this film scare? Is this the first film this month to have scared you? Yeah, there were quite a few jump scares for me, but in the way that I feel like jump scares are always intended to be fun. I, I really enjoyed this film. Every time I jumped, I laughed at myself. 
It wasn't like sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time, panic-induced uh, <laughs> psychosis at the end where you have to put friends on and sit me down in front of it. Yeah. It was just fun. Yeah. <laughs> really fun. But, yeah, I, I definitely um, jumped quite a few times. Did you, did you laugh as well? All the time. Yeah. You, were you sitting next to me? Yes. So, John Landis actually wrote this film in 1969, Ooh. a full 12 years before it would finally be made. Wow. He could not get it made anywhere because everyone felt that it was too funny to be a horror, but too scary to be a comedy. Really? I, d- like, I think that this film has funny moments for sure, but I would, I would say that this is a straight horror, really. Like, I, I don't think that this is funny enough to be a horror comedy for me. Hmm. No, I, I, I definitely found it funny. I, I, yeah, I laughed out loud quite a few times. Like, I, I don't know, maybe it's the, the two actors um, who play David and Jack, but the, they just pulled everything off really well from the get-go. I was on board instantly. You know, you, you have the beautiful scenery of the moors and northern England. You have the great music. And then you've got these two who are so out of place because they're, you know, um, sort of not brash Americans, but they seem, um, you know, so lively compared to yeah. like all the English people around them who kind of look a little grumpy at that point. Yeah. You know, and, and his comments about like um, the pentagram on the wall or even just saying goodbye girls to the sheep. Like, I don't know. I was just, yeah, I, I found it funny. Definitely. Yeah. I think that the, the first act to this film- might be one of the greatest first acts in cinema history for me. Oh my I God. think That's, here you go. I'm uh, gonna play the sound. No, don't. That's, you can't Big Dizzle's big call. You can't just do that now that Topher isn't I around. Can and I have. <laughs> I think that the first act of this film is staggeringly good. I think that it, it is, is good. It's it not sets, the best in it cinema sets history. The tone for the film so well. It sets everything up. You don't need to explain you to me how good it is. care about the characters. Yes, of course. Instantly. And you totally believe they're friends. Yes. You don't have to sell me on it. Is it the best in cinema history? The Moors. The moors, I beware love how, the moon. <laughs> yeah, I love how people keep saying stick to the path and the moors. <laughs> and I'm just like taken right back to any sort of English movie I watched as a kid where they're like, the moors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love the reference to Heathcliff. <laughs> Heathcliff, I know, I wrote down, oh, Heathcliff made it in there. Good on you, buddy. <laughs> I just think it's such a strong opening act to this film. It just, it, like you say, it's, it's very funny and yet- you know what you're in for. There is something about the wildness of the moors that just really gets you going. Do you hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> now, am I crazy? Or for a pub in the middle of absolute nowhere, is that place pumping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's maybe all it was the men packed. of the village and the one- Barwitch. There were like forty to forty-five people in there, including Rick Mail. Rick Mail. Yeah, from the young ones. Oh, was th- oh yes. I was like, who's that ugly motherfucker? <laughs> yep, got got it, was it now. Packed in that place. Um, I wouldn't say forty to fifty. Yeah, I reckon there was twenty. It was a small pub, mate. It was like wall-to-wall people in there. Who seemingly all knew about this werewolf? Yeah, well, it's the whole village. Ha- what? What do you? What's not to get? <laughs> I did have a little laugh at the slaughtered lamb sign, like bit on the nose, guys. <laughs> very British, though. Like very British pub name. 
well, I don't know. You've never been to Britain. How would you know? <laughs> <laughs> I th- well, I don't know. That's what I think of when I think of Britain is places like, I don't know, the, the pig and dick or the, I, don't, I don't know. They have silly names. The slaughtered lamb, though, and then this giant werewolf bloodied with a bloody dagger through its head. Yeah. I was like, okay, so if you're a town who hides this terrible secret <laughs> and then you name your pub after it and basically put it on the sign. I can't like to, be suspicious of newcomers. <laughs> I'd like to know a bit more history about that pub, actually. Like, later on when she tells the doctor that, you know, that that pentagram had been there for 200 years, I was like, oh, well, has it? <laughs> nah, mate. Nah, that was just a lie. They clearly put that up fresh. Is it Jack who can't let it go? And yeah. David's like, just drop it. Like, I don't know. Their, their banter and their, their relationship, I just I, – I instantly – um, found a lot of things they were saying funny, even though they're not necessarily funny lines. Um, I, I think the the filmmaking and, and their acting is so well done that, yeah, I definitely feel like this is a comedy horror. I felt it very realistic. Like, I, I could definitely see that as, you know, myself and one of my friends backpacking through, mm. you know, just the, the way they interacted with each other. It was very real. Yeah, yeah. And w- while you wouldn't necessarily say, hey, this is a comedy – there's many times you do laugh. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then we get to the horror of it all. Can we talk about the werewolf? You mean the a joke bit? about Texans kicking out Mexicans? You're right. <laughs> that was horrific. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's still relevant today. <laughs> when you first hear that werewolf scream, mm. it's such an interesting choice to not have a howl as yeah. such, but more of this kind of humanistic yet animal scream. Mm. Mm. Really iconic piece of sound design. I think it's a really smart choice. Yeah, I I wrote down, wow, that sound is so good. It holds up really well. Um, And, and yeah, you're right, not having the howl, which would be a little too on the nose like the sign in the pub, um, it's the kind of sound that you definitely don't want to hear when you're out kind of alone walking without protection. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. Doesn't sound right. And, you know, they go through, it can't be a coyote because there's no coyotes here in England. And, um, yeah, you sort of, like, it's not like Australia where anything could kill you. The bloody magpies, it's England. Like, yeah. is a sheep going to headbutt you? Like, <laughs> It's funny, you know, we think of a werewolf as such a classic film monster, right? Mm. And yet I don't feel like there are that many really good werewolf movies like there's there's not many that like when was the like many vampires that teen wolf is a piece of art (laughs) but vampires for example have become such a thing yeah there's been a vampire movie released just about every year since you know forever (laughs) whereas where what was the last werewolf movie you can think of well there's twilight and twilight yeah yeah but not nothing um well done, yeah. I'd say. Well, I don't know. Maybe there is, but yeah. I and I think seen it's it. a really interesting choice this film makes to really straddle that line between wolf and human. You know, like we even see actual wolves in this film when he's at the mm. zoo, and it, and yet the design of the wolf itself goes very clear into this is not a wolf, this is not a man. It's somewhere in between. Mm. And they, they rely so heavily on that sound for a lot of it to evoke some kind of fear in you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because you don't I, – I mean, that happens a lot in horror films, but you don't see the big monster really properly until the end. Yeah. And it's a good thing at the start because you just see, like, teeth here and, like, a yeah. big sort of furry 
body lunging here and there. Um, yeah, and, and that sort of, I think, really sold it. Um, and, you know, the like his bloodied friend and everything, that was that was pretty full on. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, like um, there, there was one part, I can't remember where, where the blood was way too bright red, but for yeah. the most part everything did look quite realistic. Yeah. Um, I, I found the guy in the pub, though, who was like, well, murder it is then. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> and everyone just goes along with it, even though they're all clearly uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But if this is some deep, dark secret you're hiding, why would you want some foreign backpackers to be killed or maimed and then continue the line? You'd, you'd be doing all you can to, like, keep them safe and then get them out of there. It's one of those interesting things about, like, and that's why I think that part of the reason this movie works, and it's right there in the title, is that it is an American werewolf in London. It's like the juxtaposition of those two cultures really is what makes it work for me, you know? Mm. Like, England is a country with such history to it. You know, like you you believe that this town has been protecting this werewolf secret for hundreds of years. Mm, sure. And I think that, for me, that's what really makes this film really work and makes it really interesting. Mm. And and um, the, the Americans definitely are the ones mostly to bring the comedy sort of element to it, just their kind of casual attitude towards things. You know, when they can hear that awful growling, roaring kind of sound. And it's, yeah, the tension is building and he's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, that's kind of how an Australian would react to. <laughs> Were you shocked or taken aback by the way the story went with, with Jack being killed so early on after you've kind of established the great rapport they have together? No. I mean, I, I had seen it before, so <laughs> wasn't surprised. Um, but I, I don't know. Jack is probably the more expendable one of the two. <laughs> I feel bad saying that, but it's we're all here for David. Beautiful, beautiful David. I um I thought that was, actually speaking of beautiful David, the nurse talking about how she checked whether he was Jewish. I was like, whoa, that is so inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That's okay. All right. I loved um, his sort of dream sequences he kept having of yeah. running through the woods. That was so beautiful, yeah. the music and just the greenery, like, sort of flicking past the camera. But then you continue more of that and then you get to see him eating a raw deer carcass and that was gross. Yeah, those dreams always turn horrific. And then when he starts dreaming of the uh, the Nazi werewolves with the helmets and everything who come yeah, with blazing was, guns. Yeah, I, I was actually, like- uh, it's all—it's a dream, so it's not meant to make any sense. But I, I was a bit perplexed as to why they were sort of soldier monsters or something. Mm. It was, yeah, a bit of an odd choice. But I don't know. I just let it wash over me. I did. Um, I did question the doctor at first, who actually turns out to be quite a good egg and probably the most dedicated doctor around. I don't know any other doctor who goes that far to investigate things. But um, I really liked when he says, "Prepare yourself." I want you to prepare yourself, as in I'm about to tell you awful news. And I'm like, well, he's asked about his friend. You've said prepare yourself, which basically gives the answer away. How how would you like him to prepare himself? <laughs> how does one prepare themselves to hear my friend of forever died? It's the same. I always find it weird when people in films are like, well, you should be sitting down for this. It's like, all right, well, you've just told me the news just now. Yes, like, exactly. And I, should, I wasn't sitting down yet. If rude. I should be sitting down for this, there is nothing good to be heard from this conversation. And then the American embassy guy's like, hi. <laughs> oh, don't get his 
hysterical, dumbass kids. I was like, whoa, he's just been through a traumatic experience. Um, so while I was still finding the doctor completely questionable and quite frankly rude because he says, be a good girl now to his secretary, and I was like, oh, fuck off. Um, did you notice he has a skull stationary like pen holder? I did not notice that. Another thing that I was like, bit on the nose there, isn't it? <laughs> like, is that, is that inappropriate for get- a doctor to have a skull? Well, no, I mean, I guess he's a doctor. Like, it, you know, most doctor's o- offices have skeletons in them. Yeah, but not as a pen holder. And it was a really realistic looking one too. Well, that's even better. So it's not like it was a tacky one that he got from the dollar store. <laughs> no, it was being, it was recycling. <laughs> it was not being wasteful. So let's talk about his relationship with Alex, the nurse. Mm, they have great chemistry from the get-go. They do. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> do you find it just a little bit strange? Like, they do have really oh, good completely. chemistry. And I really like her. And I think they are, you know, like, it's clear that there is chemistry between them. It's a little odd, though, right? Oh, most of my notes are, this is so inappropriate. You can't take your possibly insane patient home, no matter how gorgeous he is. <laughs> and then later, he's like, I woke up naked at the zoo. And she's like, oh, be a dear and come come with me. Come on. <laughs> I know. And the, she, the doctor calls and he's like, why didn't you tell me he's home? And she's like, he's fine. He's fine. I'm like, oh, I know. he has been saying from the start, I feel insane. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to turn into a monster. And she's like, shh. Yeah, he's there Come talking have about- have sex with me in yeah, the shower. <laughs> he's there talking about how he woke up at the zoo naked and he's just basically trying to molest her there on the bed while she's on the phone to the doctor. And she's like, he's fine. He's, he's energetic. <laughs> and she wasn't even the nurse who looked at his peen, <laughs> which we then see later. <laughs> that Actually, I found that very progressive. We saw one boob and then we saw one peen and I was like, oh, we're even. And then there was the porno. And I was like- Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. More boobs. More boobs. <laughs> boobs, 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 boobs. Yeah, I, I loved their relationship um, sort of blossoming at the ho- hospital because, I mean, it was obvious they liked each other. And when she she's force feeding him schnitzel and mashed potato, I said to you, yeah. is that every man's dream for a woman to force feed him schnitzel and mashed potato? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely it is. <laughs> oh, you make your own mashed potato. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie gets a lot of um you know, notoriety and remembrance for its incredible makeup and special effects scenes of the the werewolf transformation itself and and the werewolf. That was incredible how his, uh, like, not his limbs, but his feet and hands stretched. But before we get there, before we get there, I don't think enough credit is given to just how fucking good the makeup of Jack, Jack. is yes. the progressive, you I know, decaying of him. Particularly the scene in the porno theater where he is well and truly decayed, and you can see his teeth through mm. the side of his cheek. And there well, is-, is is that clearly just like a puppet or a mannequin at that point? Well, if it is, they have done an incredible job of somehow capturing the actor's features, even though it's. So decayed. No, like, it's because he has a Muppet face. I told you, he's he's expendable. <laughs> I think it's amazing, like how good that looks and how good it holds up. And each time you see him, that progression of decay. Yes, yeah, I found it more interesting that they could match. Like, let's say it is a mannequin or something that they're moving, which I I'm sure it is. They match the um the movement of the mouth with whatever Jack is saying really well. So you do feel like it's him. The best, though, was when he first appears in the hospital to David and he's freshly bloodied and yeah. um, his neck has, like, 
dangly bits of yeah. skin. Oh, Amazing that was, design. Yeah, very clever, but so gross. On his mouth as he talks, I did have one issue this time that oh. I've never had before. And <laughs> it's a dumb issue. I shouldn't have it. It's a movie. I don't know what I- What? I, I didn't notice anything. So, his face is almost entirely decayed away. He's got his teeth, but he's got no lips. Mm. You can't speak without lips. Mm. Try say- like, try make a P sound or a F sound without lips. <laughs> yeah. You can't do it. You got to kill yourself, David. Yeah, I'm trying it. You have to end your own life, David. <laughs> you just can't do it. And it shouldn't bother me because it's a film and he has to be able to talk to it. Yeah. And, like, he's-, he's And he's got other people to talk for him there as yeah, well, the people even, that David has killed. Even by the end, it's unclear whether he is really- Like, to what extent is he there? Like- is David seeing him as some as a hallucination, or is he seeing him as some link through the werewolf? Or I believed it was he was definitely there. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to go so far as to believe about werewolves, you yeah. you might as well continue to suspend disbelief and just keep on going. I guess, yeah. And and they do it very believably because they have such a great rapport with each other. Um, you know, just as friends. So. When they're interacting, he's like, shut up, leave me alone. You would talk to your <laughs> your dead friend. No, you you would talk to your friend who's trying to tell you to kill yourself that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how she says, I'm a working girl, don't expect much. And then she has a gorgeous apartment in London in which she lives alone. Yeah. I was like, is this the set of friends again or <laughs> sex in the city? What's happening here? You're a nurse. <laughs> I laughed at the line, I find you very attractive and a little bit sad. <laughs> and then yeah. they go to have sex to the song of Moondance. I was yeah, like, Yeah, she okay. clearly has issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, she's not the best judge of She character. is attracted to broken men very um, clearly. She's attracted to dangerous men. <laughs> yeah. Even um, though he repeatedly tells her, I feel dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the, the music in the film. So good. I think not only is the score really nice and it's one of those scores where you never even notice it. It just carries the film very, very mm. well, I think. The only times I did notice it was when he was running through the forest and yeah. the um, sort of opening moors scenes at the start. Yeah. But I was noticing it because it was so beautiful. But, the yeah, the choice of songs, um, you really only have the three songs. You've got Blue Moon, Moon Dance, mm. and Bad Moon Rising. <laughs> but they're very, all used very well. That's the thing. None of them feel on the nose somehow. Like, it's- if it went so far as to play Werewolves of London, you might be like, okay, this is- you <laughs> got you that gone come too far. from this movie or- No, no. That was okay. a song at least five years prior to this. Oh, okay. Bugger. <laughs> but- <laughs> thought but it was inspired by the, it because that's a good song. But the choices of songs it makes, it's amazing how it never feels on the nose. Like when Bad Moon Rising plays, mm. it just works. It really does. And and when the the film ends and it's just roll credits, you know, he's dead, she's sad, roll credits, and the song plays, it's like, whoa. That's quite unusual for a film of that time, isn't it, to have such a- Such a stark punch- ending. Yeah, such a stark but very yeah. punchy ending. That feels like a, you know, something a Marvel film would do these days or, you know, an episode of some, yeah. you know, cool TV show. Really mixed reviews. Roger Ebert didn't like the movie mainly because of the what? ending. He felt that the that if uh, it had yeah. a different ending, he may have liked it more. So, as you know, I am a script improver. I often tell you how a script could be improved. And I did find the ending too stark and sudden. And then I thought to myself, well, where else were they supposed to go with it? 
Like, everything had happened that needed to. So, playing it and playing it off with that song is great. But perhaps we should have seen nine months later, she is in fact having his baby. Well, fuck. And the line has continued. Well, fuck. Script improver. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, There is actually a sequel to this film. Did you know that? What? Based on- Many, many years later. Based on my amazing I don't believe so from memory. An American werewolf in Paris- it was a good, I mean, geez, must have been 15 years later. Completely different crew, Old different director. for a son or daughter. Writer, di- I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I remember we it, it being weak compared oh, to this. Oh, maybe no. So, let's talk about the transformation. So you broke up the, the stretching of the How hands How did they do the that? Feet. I believe that was a special material they used that, that oh. somehow dissolved. It was really, really smart filmmaking across mm. the board. The scene, the shot where you see his hair growing, mm. that was a model that they were actually pulling hair through and Ugh. then reversed the shot. Wow, that's so, so clever. So, so, they're kind of pulling the hair down inside it <laughs> through these <laughs> holes oh, and then they reverse disgusting. the shot so it looks like the hair is growing out. Oh, imagine having to be that person. I'm just going to pull the hair today. Just crazy, no. crazy good design. And on the back of this, of course, both John Landis, the director, and Rick Baker, the makeup artist, went on to work on Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Oh, um, which we have heard nonstop today, thanks yes. to that fucking pumpkin toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our <laughs> Halloween decorations dances to Thriller, and the kids are obsessed. <laughs> but they don't know the song. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. I walk out earlier, and our seven year old is going, Squirrel. Squirrel fight. <laughs> we have to kind of try record her doing that yeah. when she's just singing incessantly. Oh man! And um, then yeah, and she said, "Who wrote this song? What's it called?" And I'm like, "Thriller." How did she not get that it's Thriller? And she's still singing Squirrel. <laughs> Didn't know who Michael Jackson is either. Yeah. Wow. Um. But yeah, just incredible, incredible yes, design. <laughs> it holds up so so well. Can you believe that this is the fortieth anniversary of this film? Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite amazing. I mean, it always proves the points. Like actual physical effects hold up better than computer. Yeah. But having said that, um, I I did find at the end once you get like a proper constant look at the werewolf. It it did look like a bit stupid, like a scary Muppet. Um, it you know what it is? It's always the eyes. Did they use the same eyes they used on Christopher Lee's pile of ashes? Oh, come so on. dumb. Come no. On. No, the eyes could have been better, but otherwise the special effects were incredible. Even the moving of the snout when she's talking to him saying, I love you, I love you, David. And for a second you think maybe David's inside listening, but um, That's ridiculous. <laughs> the stretching of his face as well was quite incredible like I'm, I'm sure you know you'd be able to do it better these days but it still feels very realistic like yeah. i would not show this film to a child yeah of any age until I, they're a bit older i believe they used a ton of different pieces you know different mm. arm pieces different leg pieces for all these mm. different parts of the transformation and at certain times when he's laying on the floor he's actually um under his, the, the lower half of his body is under the floor yeah. with a with a prosthetic body, and it really the whole se- that part of the reason the sequence works so well is not just the design, but the way it's written and the way it's acted, where you feel the pain yes. of the transformation. And he's when so he's sitting hot there reading, first. and he just starts screaming, "Jesus Christ, I'm burning up!" Yeah. And he just starts ripping his clothes although, off. <laughs> although then it was funny later because. 
in the porno theatre, he just looks like he's having a really good time. And then there's that old creeper there just watching him. I'm like, mate, maybe you deserve to die. That's that's gross. You shouldn't watch people do that. And so I don't know if you noticed that in the scenes where he is the wolf and he's chasing people, you never see his back legs while he's running. Oh, yeah. So that's because it's actually a werewolf suit that's kind of on a bit of a wheelbarrow. Mm. And so- Is that to make it go so fast at yeah, people? Yeah. Yeah. So he's using his arms to propel it forward really fast. And so Oh, he's using his arms? Yeah. Wow. And so that's why you never you never see the um the back Or a stunt legs. double, I assume. Yeah. No, no. There's someone using their arms to yeah. pull that thing forward. Jesus, I'd not be able to do that. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd get one pull and be like, whoa, I'm done, guys. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Going back to um, Jack, um, I, I said he's dis- disposable, but he's actually not. He's he's great, and um, he plays the dead, decaying character really well because he also adds a real sense of fun to the scene, even though you're looking at something pretty disgusting. I love when he picked up the Mickey Mouse and he's like, hi, David. <laughs> I lolled. I lolled so hard. <laughs> a little blast from the past. I loved um, that her living room- the TV was behind all the furniture. Yeah. And when you see him turn the TV on looking for something to watch and there's three things available and they're all not great. Well, there's the Muppets, but the other two are shit. I'm like, wow, that's remember that? Do you remember when there was only so many channels available? Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting having the Muppets when I'm not sure if you recognize the voice, but of course, Frank Oz appears in the film. Yeah. So is he the- Embassy guy? Yes. Yes. I couldn't pick Using him. Fozzie Bear's voice. Yes. I was like, um, why is his voice so irritating? I mean, can you imagine <laughs> if he'd went with Yoda's voice instead? Yeah. I. It was funny. I, I instantly- I don't think he was being Fozzie Bear, though. It sounded a lot like Fozzie Bear to me. Mm. Oh, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I, I instantly recognized his voice and I couldn't quite pick it. I really loved um, the scene where he's calling his parents and he gets his younger sister. Yeah. You know, just adding that little note about, what, they're out? Oh, they never would have let me stay home alone at 10. Oh, okay, 10 and a half. Like, just little nuances like that in a conversation make it so much more realistic. Yeah. And I really felt for him in that moment. He's like, I've got to do the responsible thing, but I've just got to pass a message on to my family to say I love them. And yeah. then he goes and sits in the porno theatre. Well, before that, he goes to slit his wrist there. No, no, the it's after booth. the. No, it's after the phone call. Yeah, it's straight after the phone call. He yeah. pulls the knife out. Yeah, it's. I found that scene really affecting. And then he goes to the porno theatre and he chats again to Jack. And Jack has all the people he murdered the night before. Mm. And. You know, like he, the guy's like, you left my wife a, a widow and, and my two children. And like, I was just like, oh, geez, like that's some really rough shit to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jack. <laughs> and yet he still doesn't kill himself. He still lets him transform again. <laughs> yeah, but it happens right there and then. It's not like he had time to go and do something about it. I feel like he was sitting in that porno theatre for a long time. <laughs> Well, oh, I don't know. We don't know how much time has passed. It looks like it happens instantly. True. The um the the final sort of uh big, you know, sort of moment where he is literally a werewolf rampaging in London, mm-hmm. like the busiest part of London too. Um 
that the chaos that ensued was really effective. Yeah. Um, you know, the when the bus- cars start crashing. Oh my! Yeah. And the person falls out of the bus only to be instantly run over by a car. Mm. That. Like, oh, my God, that was full on. I felt like I was watching Squid Game or something. Yeah. Jesus. It's very effective. It's one of those things where you need to separate the art from the artist. I know that it's uncouth these days to talk well of a John Landis film. Who that? The director of this film. He, um, not long after this, when he was shooting Twilight Zone, the movie, several people died, including two child actors (gasps) in a helicopter accident. And it came out that he was- not being very safe with it. And he was Uh, also kind of going around child labor laws with the actors. Oh, God. uh, And then later on, he defended um, Roman Polanski, which is always a dud move. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I know that it's uncouth to talk well of a film that this guy made, but you cannot, like, you really need to separate the art from the artist here because this is such an exceptionally well-made film. It's, it is. It's yeah. really tightly written. And like you say, that that final scene with all that chaos unwinding, it's very clever at the way it unfolds mm. and that all happens. And there's so many people around trying to still get a glimpse of what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd be, like, running in the other direction, I think. Like, but- it's amazing. For a film that is both so funny and so scary and so fantastical, it is amazing how grounded this film feels at every turn. It always feels very real, I think. Mm. Like, I think a lot of the – and a lot of that stems from the relationships, you know, between the um, various characters and, and the, fact and that the it's way that they're portrayed. And the allowed to develop. Yeah. Like, I'm so, I, I've said it before. I hate horrors where it's like – Quick intro into some, you know, sort of mildly heartfelt situation and then the killing begins. I hate that shit. Um, I found it really funny, just such a difference between British and American films. (laughs) The cops, um, you know, who are there are holding the crowd back from the werewolf and then there's a separate van of specialist cops who are putting bullets in their gun on the way. And I'm like, oh. Not what you see in movies <laughs> yeah. most of the time. <laughs> I did find okay, here is one thing that was completely unbelievable. How did they shoot the werewolf oh, from so that far away? well far away around her? Yeah. A human woman. Yeah. She just stands there and watches him get shot, but he's behind her. I did notice that as well. That's a very long alley. Like when they mm. run up to him after shooting him. It is a long way away. Yeah. They've already shown how far away she is from the rest of them, and he's behind her. And so- I love, I do love the way this movie plays with the rules. Like, it is surprisingly easy to kill the werewolf. Like, he even makes the joke about, do I need a silver bullet? Mm. And Jack is like, fucking please. Mm. Like, come on. Like, Jack's suddenly an expert in being a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, you were killed instantly, mate, so. <laughs> so, I do like that, but yeah, it, it's a long way away for that bullet to have hit him so well with her in the way. Well, there was a couple, but they, they all somehow magically went around her magic bullets that the British police have. So, I mean, it's obvious that you enjoyed this film. Yeah, I love this film. I is, really enjoyed it on a second watch. Is this your most enjoyed of the four that we've watched so far this month? Hmm. It's probably the most fun, yeah, I've had. Poltergeist was fun but was like, you know, like has held up pretty good but is like not as great a film. Invasion of the Body Snatchers was like an exceptionally well-made film, I thought, Um, but not 
not as much fun. Um, vampire, whatever, was fine. <laughs> it was good. All right. So, how are you scoring this out of 10? This is a 9 out of 10 for me. I would watch it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, same. This is a 9 for me. I love this film. It's so much fun and it's so well made. Mm. Just- this is one of the ones as well where, you know, if they were doing a remake, I think you'd feel a bit like, well, they better not fuck that up because it's perfect as it is right now. Yeah. With the exception of maybe her needing to question his sanity a bit more and make better decisions <laughs> and magic bullets going around people. All right. So, we've only got one week left of Spooktober. Next yeah. week is Halloween. And I'm holding up. Okay. So, we're going to get to some zombies for the last one. Mm, have not seen- I don't think any zombie films. Maybe. You must have seen a zombie film. Oh, hang on. The one with Emma Stone. <laughs> Zombie Land. Yep, love it. Is that what we're watching? <laughs> no. Nah. Oh, boo. All right. Oh, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> okay. Also, update: the beer was exceptional. I made yeah. you have a little sip, and yeah. even you were like, "Wow." It was. Um, it was amazing how much flavor was packed in there. I could not have had more than one sip. I don't know how you drank the whole thing. Too much whiskey. <laughs> oh, I love whiskey. What are you talking about? No. Um. Just. Like so rich, so rich. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. it was good. <laughs> <laughs> you seemed quite pleased with yourself. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok, surprisingly. Oh, my gosh. At wewatchedathing.com. I hate our friends for getting you on that. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing. There's lots of bonus episodes behind the scenes. We still need to record something on 92's Dracula. We should do that this week. Oh, Yep, okay. I'll just I'll just stop working. <laughs> and I'll catch you next week. Oh.